Welcome to the Simple Living Made Simple podcast, episode four. Today, we are going to take a step away from the garden and talk about a completely different topic. My whole goal of this podcast is to give you options. In my opinion, having options means having freedom. No longer do you have to rely on what the systems offer you. I love finding new ways that I can take care of and provide for my family in different areas of my life. Today, we are discussing a topic that I think is pretty relevant right now, homeschooling. After the last year, I know that a lot of people are looking at potentially homeschooling their kids. I'm looking to do this in the fall, but just like a lot of other people, I don't know where to start. Today, I am joined by Courtney Nalen, homeschooling mom of two, as well as a certified health coach and licensed paramedic. She is also the host of the podcast, Imperfectly Pollyanna, where she focuses on finding the good in life's imperfections, whether in homeschool, faith, health, or overall life. Having been homeschooling for over seven years, she has experienced struggles, insecurities, worries, as well as navigated several different learning styles and curriculums. In this episode, we discuss everything you need to know to get started, common misconceptions you need to throw out the window right now, and inspiration for making this an actual reality. So let's get started. You're listening to the Simple Living Made Simple podcast. My name is Stephanie, and I'm a wife, mother of three, and the creator of the blog Winging It on the Homestead, where I help modern mothers incorporate simple living and self-sufficiency skills and knowledge into their busy lives. My goal is to help you refocus your life towards what really matters, your family, as well as boost your confidence so you can start being more self-reliant and decrease your dependence on stores and commercial products. Join me as I share with you my appreciation for creating a homemade and homegrown life through gardening, food preservation, cooking from scratch, making your own products, all while keeping it all practical, intentional, and realistic. I've got Courtney Nalen here with me today, and I'm so excited because she has so much knowledge. After doing this for seven years uh, with her two kids, she is bringing so much knowledge and insight to this conversation. So I'm so excited to have you. So thank you so much, Courtney, for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. (laughs) Uh, I am so excited about talking to you about homeschooling. Um, This is something that I am kind of tiptoeing into, and I'm not really sure where to begin. So I'm hoping that this will be really helpful for um, my listeners. So why don't you just give us a little bit of background about you, how you kind of got into homeschooling, where you homeschooled yourself, or how you dove into this kind of um, process? Sure. So I was not homeschooled, um, just to kind of start that Mm -hmm. out. I was... um, I'm a daughter of a preacher, so we were a very conservative family, but my mom was not brave enough, I guess. It just wasn't really what was working for her at the time. So, um, but I went to a private Christian school and all the way up through eighth grade and then went on to public high school. I had a good experience at both places. Um, I do think life is different now than what it was then, but I did have a good experience. Um, whenever my husband and I started, uh, trying to have kids and whenever we had our son, I have two kids and we had our son and we, of course we wanted to plan ahead and we wanted everything to be perfect. And you have in your head, like, okay, my kid is going to go to the same school that I did and have the same wonderful experience that I did. Or maybe, you know, uh, my family or my kid won't have 
that experience. I don't want them to have the same experience as me because some people don't want that. Um, And so we were talking about things and I had it in my head, how I wanted things to look. I wanted him to, I wanted my son to go to the same private school that I went to. I loved that it had that biblical foundation. It, they would have it every day. Um, the smaller classes, that type of a thing. And whenever I was talking to my husband about it, he was like, well, let's just cross that bridge when we get there. But I like to plan. And um, so I kept that picture in my head until it came time for him to, well, for us to start looking at kindergarten. And up until that point, I had basically, you know, I had done the typical things that you do with kids prior to that. You play with them, you sing, you know, ABCs and one, two, threes, and you play with Play-Doh and, you know, all those things that you just think you're having fun, but they are really actually learning. And so when we started talking about schools, we realized that we could not afford the, the private school that I wanted him to go to. We made too much for financial assistance and not enough for the monthly tuition. It was just irrational thoughts of how to charge people. But, um, and so, but we also knew that we did not want him exposed to certain things that would happen in the public school system. We also don't have the highest education type of ratings in our area, or at least we didn't at the time, especially for the school that he would go to. And so we really didn't want to settle just because we couldn't afford what we wanted. And I, I kind of felt like, okay, well then we're stuck. We can either, you know, we're basically going to have to do public school. And so my sister-in-law, my brother and sister-in-law, they have four kids now, but they had two at the time and they were homeschooling. And so I started picking my sister-in-law's brain and asked her, okay, just tell me about homeschool. What is it? Cause I had all these thoughts. Um, and I, now I know that they are thoughts that literally everybody has had, (laughs) you know, like, is my kid going to be socially awkward? Are they going to get the socialization that they need? That's a big thing that people struggle with. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what if I fail him? That was my big thing. What if I fail him? And then here I am thinking that I'm taking on something that I was not made to do. Mm -hmm. And something that stuck out to me that my sister-in-law said that, I mean, it has stuck with me ever since then is that she said, you're not going to fail your child because you are your child's biggest cheerleader, your biggest, their biggest fan. You want them to succeed more than anybody else. So you're not going to, you're not going to fail them. And I was like, oh, okay, well you're right. Okay. (laughs) And, but I really didn't know if I could do it. You know, I didn't really have faith in my own capabilities. That also comes from my own insecurities as a person, not just with that situation. So, so I went ahead and I said, you know, I'm just going to look into it. We had a local at that time, we had a local small little like conference convention type of thing in the area coming up. So I went to that with my husband. We looked at a few things And, um, and I decided, you know what, in Indiana, where I'm at the legal age of when, when schools or when children have to be in school is seven years old. Now that's going to vary from state to state, but Indiana is seven. And at the time he was five. So I said, okay, I at least have two years to figure out what in the world I'm going to do with him. (laughs) So that's kind of where we're at. Right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you feel me. And, um, so I said, you know what, let's just try kindergarten out. I'm just going to do 
one year at a time. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but at least I tried. And so that's the mind frame that we have kept every single year. We say we're going to do it one year at a time. Now we're kind of in, you know, in a whole role. We have two children that we're homeschooling now, and now we're in our seventh year. So my son is about to turn 12 this summer. Um, and so that's kind of how we got started. It's not been all rainbows and unicorns. And, you know, I am not that perfect Pinterest worthy homeschool mom. I'm just not, um, but neither is our family, but, um, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of how we got started. And then it just naturally, whenever my daughter was born, it was just naturally one of those things of, well, we'll just see how she does. And, and we went from there. So. Yeah, I really like that. I think that's definitely when you put it in that like year at a time, um, it doesn't seem so overwhelming or so like a um, drastic decision. Right, right. Uh, So I think that's really great. That's really helpful. So you had touched a little bit on some of those myths or misconceptions that you Mm -hmm. had, which I know I have too. And I find when I tell people that I'm pursuing or thinking about homeschooling, you know, that's the first thing that's come up is how do you get kids socialized or homeschool mm-hmm. kids or, you know, not as socialized as public school kids or, you know, in sure. Um, so how do you kind of combat that? What do you do to make sure that that is not a reality? Well, one thing that I had to learn was that, um, I had to learn a lot of patience with the naysayers because unless they had grown up in the homeschool community, they really people just don't have any idea what it's like. So I like to say a lot of bless your hearts and, (laughs) and in the nicest way, you know, because they just don't know what they don't know. And so at the beginning, that was a concern of mine. Mm -hmm. Um, and my son at, at that time also struggled with a lot of anxiety. He had never been to daycare. He'd always been with me or my family. And so the idea of And the year that he was supposed to be going to kindergarten was the year that they went from half day to full day. Mm -hmm. And I was like, he's going to go from being with no strangers ever to being there for eight hours. Like what? Mm -hmm. So uh, what I realized, though, is that homeschoolers are more socialized than children in the public school system. The reason being is that if you think about it, public school traditional school kids sit in a classroom for seven to eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. Most of that time is sitting at a desk. Um, They're not, they're not interacting with their peers for those full eight hours. They're interacting at their desk, maybe during recess or lunch or, you know, what have you and with their teacher. So with homeschool kids, Number one, you don't have to have your child learning for eight hours a day, (laughs) you know, sitting at a desk. That is not homeschool life. And eight hours for a traditional school setting typically means that a lot of people think in their head that whenever they choose to homeschool, that homeschool has to look like what is that those children are in the same class with kids their age. So they're learning how to interact 
by other children that are learning how to interact. So none of them know how to interact with each other. (laughs) They're just flying by the seat of their pants, figuring it out as they go. And what they're doing is that they're bringing in what they know from their home life or from outside of school life. Now, some of those kids are in great homes and they're wonderful. Other ones, not so much. So for a homeschool kid, they're automatically, by being with you, they are interacting, they're socializing with somebody that's not on their level, that knows how to socialize. I would rather my child learn how to treat other people and how to speak with other people from me than from another seven-year-old that has no idea, you know, they haven't even learned how to read at that point, much less have good communication skills. The other thing is we are so involved with all kinds of things. There's all different sorts of opportunities for homeschool kids to be involved in. So they may not be in a classroom for eight hours, but for instance, my kids currently do competitive gymnastics, competitive soccer. Gymnastics is year round. Soccer is twice a year. Um, They go to church. We are part of a co-op. The co-op has multiple kids of all age ranges from three years old, all the way up through high school plus the teachers or the mentors, the parents. So they're interacting with kids and humans from mm-hmm. all ages. Right. And so we've also done horseback riding. We've done um, swimming lessons. We've done all sorts of other activities. We've done field trips, the co-ops, we have play groups. They do all these things where they are getting that social interaction. And a lot of times, if you talk to homeschool families about it, They'll say that they are the busiest people they know because they're always on the go right. doing things. They're not just sitting at home, not doing anything. So it makes a lot of sense. It really does. Yeah. Um, you know, just, so, and you kind of want to think that the quality of socialization, you know, like mm-hmm. sounds like you're able to put them in activities where they can truly socialize and interact um, with other people rather than, you know, in a classroom. Right. And my kids can interact with somebody that, from literally from age three, you know, all the way up to adults, they mm-hmm. will come, they might be shy, but being socially awkward doesn't really matter as much about where you went to school as much as the individual, how many socially awkward adults do you know that they grew up in the traditional school setting? Right. They're just, some people are just awkward and you know, that makes them individuals. It's not because they were homeschooled or not. Why don't we start with like, what would be the first step for anyone okay. considering homeschooling? So the first step that I would suggest is to find out your state laws. Okay. Every state is going to be different. Um, even every country is going to be different. Mm-hmm. And so some are going to be stricter than others. So if you're first looking at, okay, where do I go to find my state laws? You can go to hslda.org. That is a homeschool law defense agency, and um, you can actually become a member with them, but you can get information like homeschool laws for your state, whether you're a member or not. The great thing about them is that it's a very small cost. I can't remember exactly what it is a year, but it's very cheap, but to have them and what they will do is that if you ever have something like if uh, somebody complains, if you have CPS, DCS, whatever, show up on your door, 
or somebody makes a claim, you can call them up and they're your lawyers and they will defend you. But they're also good for other things. They have a lot of resources on their website um, talking about laws. There's downloadable forms. There's information about different states. So I would suggest to start there first. Then the next step that I would do is depending on how active your community is, most states have some type of social media, we'll say Facebook, for example, they have their own Facebook groups for their state. So in Indiana, we have a private Indiana um, homeschooling group. We have an Indiana homeschooling agency. So you can do a, a simple internet search for your state to look for that, or you can search your state with the word homeschool next to it in, you know, in Facebook or wherever and see what pulls up. And I would join those groups. And so then you're going to be able to see, okay, how active is my state? And then from there, you can look at even in your area and your county and that kind of stuff. We have several private Facebook groups that go around our county. So that's going to really start building your community to be able to find out what's available to you, what kind of groups are available, what meetups are available, and you have somebody local that you can kind of bounce ideas off of. Great. Is that what you were talking about? Like with the co-op that you're yes. a part of? Mm -hmm. Yeah. A little bit more about how that works. Sure. So different co-ops are going to be a little bit different, but they're generally about the same. Um, for hours, we meet once a week. We meet every Monday. Classes are from, I believe they start at nine, I think, and they go all the way until three. They're about 50 minutes long a piece. And you have classes from, you know, from your core subject. So if you're somebody that you're like, I cannot teach math, I, or I'm not a science or history person, that's whenever you take advantage of your co-ops and stick them in a co-op class of that subject. So then you usually have, sometimes it's another parent teaching it. Sometimes they'll have um, parents that have a teaching degree, um, but they have some type of experience to be able to, to teach that. And so for us, we can sign up for any classes that we want. Uh, we can sign up for just one if we want to. We can sign up for eight if we want to. And they're for kids of all ages. They, like I said, they do core subjects, but they also do even PE. There's different band classes. We've done art classes, Spanish classes, guitar. Um, they put on musicals and plays. They have all kinds of special events and, and that kind of stuff. So some of them will be where they'll have like a whole range of types of classes and then other co-ops will be specific towards a certain subject. So like we have one co-op here, I'm not a part of, but it's very much about the arts. So you have drama and singing and all that kind of stuff and, or music and, and all that. So they just focus on that. So I would look up that kind of thing. You can also find people. We have one group that they strictly just do uh, field trips. That's all they do. And so different parents will sign up and say, Hey, I'll head up this field trip, who wants to, who wants to go? And we've done everything from pumpkin patches to apple orchards to touring um, airports and different types of plants around here. And um, we've gone to, we have a place called Angel Mound. So it's an Indian 
an old Indian reservation type of area. And so um, they've done tours there and they have different activities like that. And then there's some that they just meet up for play groups. You meet at a park or a pool or, you know, whatever. That's great. And it is something worth saying that if you are somebody that you look, you, you've searched the internet, you've searched all the social media and you just can't find anything that is in your area, then you can start something yourself. There's nothing to say that you can't just say, you know what? I feel like my family is missing this type of a, of a group feeling this type of subject or experience. You start it up and you put it out there like, Hey, if anybody wants to join me and then you do it. And that's how most co-ops get started anyway, is because a mom just wanted to have her kids be involved in something specific. And so she started it herself. Yeah, it's really cool. So definitely take a look at what's around you locally. Mm-hmm. Is that, so how do you work that into um, what other curriculum you have? Do you purchase a curriculum? Do you, how does that, how does that portion of it work? So I've done a little bit of everything. I've done the boxed curriculum where you get all in all the subjects, all in one thing, you just order what grade level you want and call it good. I've done the, you pick from different curriculums, what works for you and all the way to what we do now, which is fun schooling. And, and it is literally fun and it's not just like a style. It is an actual thing. And, um, I can talk about that here in a a little bit, but with some of the curriculums that I have really liked is sunlight Um, and it's sun, like S O N, not S U N. Um, it is a faith-based curriculum, Mm -hmm. but it's not all focused on that, but that is in there. If somebody is looking for that with that, they actually send you, you can do your core subjects. So your history, Bible literature, they'll send that. And then you pick out, out of a couple of different options for math and science or, um, you know, depending on what the grade level is. And so then you order that as a group order, and then it has it set up. You can do four days or five days, and it sends you a plan that it tells you every day for every subject, what you need to do. It tells you what Bible verse to read. It tells you what book to read and how many chapters or how many pages it tells you what lesson to do in your math stuff. So it's really it's really just laid out there. Some people really just want it laid out for them. So they don't have to plan it. They just want to be told what to do. And now sunlight is very reading heavy. So if you're somebody that you want a lot of books, you want a lot of reading, that's a fantastic thing. There are some things like a Becca. They're a little bit, a Becca and sunlight are pretty costly. Um, you can sometimes get them on specials. I know that sunlight does, um, some type of financial aid if you are approved for it and um, our payment plan or something like that. Um, but Abeka and a couple other ones have some computer-based learning. So if your kid wants to watch a teacher do it, they do have that available. Cool. Um, I've also used something called my father's world. That's what I used actually for my son for kindergarten. Um, I will say if I could give anybody any type of help getting started with curriculum, learning what type of learner your child is, Mm -hmm. is really going to save you a lot of heartache because I started out with my father's world because I loved 
the, um, the curriculum. I loved how it was laid out. I loved all the things. And so I got it, but it was very worksheet heavy. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. I love papers. I love filling <laughs> papers out. And yeah. so here I am. I'm like, I'm going to teach my son all about God and through all these little worksheets. And he just melted down. He hated coloring. He didn't want to sit there. You know, he's five years old. He doesn't want to sit at a, at a desk for, you know, however long. So about halfway through kindergarten, it was not working. And so I tossed it. I was like, okay, we're not going to do that anymore. And I went and I got books from like the dollar store or the target, you know, like their little clearance area and just got him a whole bunch of workbooks from there and let him just cut and paste. And, and he enjoyed that so much more, but I didn't learn my lesson because then in first grade, I went and I got horizons, which is another great curriculum, but it, um, it's very worksheet heavy. (laughs) So again, I didn't know I was struggling. He was struggling to learn how to read. I was struggling because I didn't understand why he wasn't getting it. Mm -hmm. It was just a hot mess. And so we had to, we tossed that too. So it takes a little while. Some people get it, but the vast majority of homeschoolers don't stay with whatever they start with. So taking time to do that, to find what, what type of learner they are and what type of focus you want to have mm-hmm. is really going to make a, a big difference. Well, I really love that. I really love how with homeschooling allows you to put that emphasis on what kind of like really on how they're going to learn and what works best for them. I will tell you on for one suggestion of a book to be able to look, there's all kinds of, um, resources out there Mm -hmm. for finding out what type of learner your child is but Kathy Duffy Mm -hmm. um, she is really great you she has a website but she has books I got one from the library that my sister-in-law suggested it's 101 top homeschool picks and what she does is that she goes through different styles of learning and so you read about them you figure out you know where your kid fits in and then she gives examples of curriculum that would work for that type of learner. And so that's where I first started. Now I didn't follow, (laughs) I didn't follow what I learned, but (laughs) that's right. (laughs) That's right. And about the time, like anything else in life with your kids, about the time that you think you have something that's working, then they change up, you know, kind of like their food, you know, one yes. minute they like bananas and tomorrow they're going to hate them. Right. So <laughs> it's always, uh, you know, you gotta be flexible. I'm yeah. Sure. Yeah. So you're giving us so many good resources. So I'll make sure to get right. all of these and we will put them all in the show notes. Yeah. You guys will have all of this good stuff to, uh, take a look at. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, we've kind of talked about like all the resources. Um, what if you could just kind of, kind of go through to us what a normal homeschool day looks like for for you and your family. Sure. So I have found that um, my kids tend to do better if we start mid-morning and I tend to do better starting mid-morning. At one point, I, they kind of went through this whole phase of doing better in the afternoons. So we did more playing and, you know, just hanging out in the morning and then we started in the afternoon. So right now we start about 10 o'clock in the morning. That gives them time to get up, have breakfast, feed the animals, relax, kind of just get their brains going. Mm -hmm. And then what has really worked for us, and this is a new thing for us that we started just this year, 
we do a point system. And so what I did is that I created just a little chart, very simple color coordinated chart. And I have what subjects or what actions we call them actions that they have to do for that day. Mm-hmm. So if it's a red action, they have to do it four times a week. So that might be their reading or their math. And then they have to do it four times a week and they can pick any day, Monday through Saturday, even of doing that, but it has to be done those four times. And then they know how long. So like it's 20 minutes a day of reading. And then once they get that done, they go and they check it off that they're done for the day for that. So I do that with all of our subjects from reading to math. Um, They have devotionals. They have, um, you know, even taking their whole food capsules. We, we have those, you know, so I have that on there to help them remember to do it. It also includes animal care. And so they each have their own column. They can mark it off as they go. And some things are, they only have to do one or two times a week. So if they want to knock it all out on Monday, then, you know, Monday and Tuesday, then they have the rest of the week to not have as much to do, but their kids. And so sometimes they might be like, well, I'll just wait until Saturday to get my last day. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine. Then <laughs> that's what you have to do. That's so we do great. that. And then once they, they get a, a certain amount of points per subject or per action. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the week, they get to tally that up. And I have a little rewards basket for them that I get simple things from again, the dollar store or dollar bins, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes I might pick up a little bit more, um, interesting things, but I tried to do it around their interests. Mm -hmm. And so then at the end of the week, they can cash in their points to get something out of the box and the box, all the items in there are different amounts of points. So if they want to save up all their points to get the 800 value one, (laughs) then they can. So that's worked really well for us. And typically for us, we are done now. They are 11 and eight. So And the fun schooling journals that we do, that takes a few hours to do. So usually we start at 10. Sometimes we'll stop for lunch around noon, but then we're done between 1.30 and 2 every day. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just, you know, I let them know this is what's expected. Now, whenever they're younger, of course, you have a little bit more hands-on time going, but you're also not going to be doing it for hours and hours. Kindergarten, you should be done. Kindergarten, first grade, you're going to be done within 30 to 45 minutes. You shouldn't be doing hours and hours of school, you know? So as they get older, you're going to add to those, those time frames. So that's, that's what works for us. You just have to kind of figure out what works best for your family as far as time-wise and how everybody functions better. I love that. That really offers them so much more uh, practice and teaches them so many other values in that, you know, responsibility and flexibility and yeah. And they get to choose, you know, what they want to start with. So if they want to start with like right now, my son is doing life of Fred for math and it's a really fun curriculum. I love it personally because it's all stories Mm -hmm. and about this guy named Fred and he's a professor at a Mm -hmm. university and he's only five years old. And so, and, but it's a lot of fun and we love reading the story together. And so we start our school day reading life of Fred because it's something that he and I both enjoy starts you out laughing and, you know, really just having fun 
yeah. with school, because that is my goal is that I want my kids. I want them to not just learn and be able to regurgitate what, what they're learning, because that's what I did. And I don't think that I retained a whole lot. I mean, right. you know, so I want them to be able to enjoy learning and fit and knowing how to learn, like knowing how to figure things out on their own. So we start out our day with something that they really enjoy. And then we go from there. So they at least get to pick what they want to do next. It's really great to give them the options to choose what they want to do. Do you have any tips for me specifically <laughs> as I dive into this with a, a he'll be five, five-year-old and a four-year-old might as well bring the three. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> with it. So for little, little kids, how do you keep them on track? Even if it is only for like an hour. Yeah. Well, I think that number one, it's to give yourself grace because uh, again, like I said, with my own story, I had in my head, what I thought school needed to look like, and it needed to look like traditional school at home. And that's not what homeschool is. It's not anywhere near that. So I think giving yourself grace to know that if it's one of those days where nobody is staying, staying on point, nobody's focused, like we don't want to do what we're supposed to be doing that day, then just don't do it. Like it's okay. Because that's, what's great about the freedom of homeschool in Indiana. You have to do a minimum of 180 school days a year. Mm -hmm. Well, that includes field trips. So if it's not a good focus day, then go on a field trip, go to the park. That's a field trip. You go and you get to talk about the bugs and what kind of leaves and you can do leaf drawings, you know, where you put like the parchment paper over the leaves and you can color them with the crayons. And, you know, you can learn fine motor skills with drawing with chalk, sidewalk chalk. So a lot of things that we think might just be playing and goofing off is actually them learning. So especially at that small age, and if they are interested in something, I'm a big believer to do things that the kids are interested in and you can build, you can build your own curriculum around their interests. Mm -hmm. So giving yourself grace, finding out what type of things they're interested in. Are they somebody that they enjoy doing crafts? Are they an active boy that they like bugs or climbing trees or playing in the dirt? You know, are, is it something like that? You can draw letters in sand, you know, in dirt and mud and all different types of textures. Yeah. So doing that kind of stuff and just kind of setting if, even if you, if you say, okay, I know that my child needs to have 30 minutes. Well, a five-year-old is not going to sit still for 30 minutes. They're just not going to do it. Most of the time average is their attention span is about as long as their age. So you got five minutes to, to do something with this kid. Right. So you might say, okay, for the first five minutes, we're going to go and we're going to run around and we're going to count how many bugs we can find while well, you're counting. And you're, you're using, if you're touching them, you know, if like they're little ants, then you're practicing your fine motor skills, right. you know, you're doing, um, logical thinking, you know, you're doing all these different things. And so then you might take a break. I have found that with my, with my kids, even as they're older, but especially at the younger ages, if it seemed like they were starting to, um, like space out or get really frustrated, then we take a brain break. 
And so they got up, we did jumping jacks or push-ups, or we turned music on and we had a dance party, something to break up their brain and get that momentum going, get those endorphins going, and then they could focus. So really to stay on track for, for younger kids, Mm -hmm. it's going to be taking lots of breaks and giving yourself grace to know that it's okay to do that. You don't have to get all done in 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. You can do it for five to 10 minutes and and take a 10 minute break and then come back to it. Yeah. Okay. That's really encouraging. Thank you. You're um, welcome. So you've given us so much good resources. So how I'm going to include all this stuff in the show notes, but how else can the listeners catch up with you or keep in touch? Sure. So the best way for me um, to be found is I have my podcast, which is imperfectly Pollyanna. Mm-hmm. And um, you can go to imperfectlypollyanna.com. You can hear all my episodes there. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram with the same handle, Imperfectly Pollyanna. I'm always open for messages. People can send me a message and be like, okay, I have a question. (laughs) You know, I need help. I'm freaking out. I'm panicking. I'm overwhelmed. I just need some encouragement. I'm really good at being a cheerleader. So (laughs) I will cheer you on. And, um, or people can just even send me an email anytime. And that is Courtney at imperfectlypollyanna.com. Well, like I said, I'm so happy to have you on. This was so helpful. And I really do love your podcast. So everyone needs to thank you. That out. Um, <laughs> thanks. And so thanks again for, for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Simple Living Made Simple podcast. If you have not already signed up to grab my free ebook, you can go to www.yourdreamgardenguide.com. This garden guide has everything you need to get started growing your own vegetable garden this year. As always, if you have any questions, want gardening advice, or have topic suggestions for the podcast, please email me at info at